KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. Asylum seekers emerge from the Remain in Mexico policy. 25 asylum seekers who are at high risk were identified and they crossed early this morning into San Diego. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This is KPBS Midday Edition. The wealthiest parts of San Diego have the highest rates of COVID vaccinations. I can't take time off work to go sit at Petco or my doctor's office or a superstation for hours. I don't have a private car and I'm concerned about taking public transportation. Our weekend preview looks at arts events that shake up expectations. That's ahead on Midday Edition. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Asylum seekers stuck in limbo at the San Ysidro border have new hope today. The U.S. will begin processing asylum claims from people kept in Tijuana under the Trump administration's Remain in Mexico program. The Biden administration has reversed that program, which forced people requesting asylum in the U.S. to wait in Mexican border cities for their cases to be heard. Ending the Remain in Mexico program is part of the president's effort to change border policy, which includes putting a halt to border wall construction and the introduction of new immigration legislation, which includes a path to citizenship for 11 million people living in the U.S. illegally. Joining me is KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler, who was in San Ysidro this morning. And welcome, Max. Good to be here. Tell us what starts happening for asylum seekers at the border today. So today, asylum seekers who were sent back to Mexico under the Remain in Mexico program are allowed to go on a website, enter their information, and be given a time that they could come to a port of entry to continue their asylum case from the inside of the U.S. Today, specifically, 25 asylum seekers who are at high risk, either medical or or living conditions danger, were identified, and they crossed early this morning into San Diego. They, I just got word that they're at a local hotel in San Diego. So these are the first asylum seekers who were put into Remain in Mexico, who are now allowed to continue their case from the U.S. under the Biden administration. Can you remind us of the conditions asylum seekers had to contend with while waiting in Mexico? Really difficult conditions. Um, often they lacked uh, identification, the ability to work. Last night I spoke with Herson Eduardo Cano. He's 36. He left Honduras with his wife and their two children. They came to the border at the Rio Grande in Texas where they were enrolled and remained in Mexico. Uh, they were unsafe when they were there in Texas. They came to Tijuana. Where they've been waiting in Tijuana for the past few months. But here he told me exactly how difficult his life has been uh, for his family in Tijuana. Tijuana. 
So because they didn't have documents, it's very difficult for them to find work. And they also had continued harassment from the Mexican police, the municipal police in Tijuana. So you say 25 of the people who've been waiting in Mexico are already in San Diego and they're going to be staying at a hotel. Is that what's going to happen to all of the asylum seekers who are now allowed to wait in the U.S.? That's not going to happen to all of the asylum seekers. Right here in San Diego, we kind of have a robust network, the San Diego Rapid Response Network, which for the past few years has created a system where uh, asylum seekers are welcomed into San Diego. They're given a checkout, they're given a hotel room, and they're provided with travel. In other places, less sparsely resourced places along the border, people are going to be fitted with alternatives to detention, including ankle monitor bracelets, given numbers that they have to check in on, places that they have to be at a certain time. Uh, because of those ankle bracelets. So they'll be monitored electronically. And again, not everyone will be released into the interior. Some people will be detained. The process of getting out of the Remain in Mexico program requires online registration. How are asylum seekers supposed to accomplish that? Yeah, I spoke with some asylum seekers today who had no idea about the online registration, and that's going to be a huge hurdle. A lot of people have cell phones, but they don't have data. They need Wi-Fi. I spoke with a shelter operator yesterday in Mexicali. He said he secured four laptops that he's just going to set up in his shelter where people come, and this is all they do with it, is that they go and they sign up for this uh, program. But this program really only applies to a small amount of asylum seekers currently waiting in the southern border. And, and in Tijuana. Now, what, what about people who have already had their asylum claims denied? Does the new policy give them any hope of a second chance? Yeah, so that's already really interesting. Uh, right now, it doesn't. If they're appealing their case, there's an opportunity for them to continue their case in the interior of the U.S. But a lot of people who are denied asylum have left the border area. And more importantly, there are thousands of people who are never even put into the Remain in Mexico program who were just denied entry into the U.S., have never even begun an asylum claim. Almost everybody I m spoke with and met this morning at the San Ysidro Port of Entry had never even been enrolled in this program. Program. Many of them are Haitians, many of them are Cameroonians. They were not eligible for the most part for the program, so they are stuck in Tijuana right now. And even if this program was expanded to other people who've had their claims denied and remain in Mexico, they wouldn't even be considered. Now, yesterday, the president and Democratic lawmakers unveiled immigration legislation that includes a path to citizenship for undocumented people. Is this what was expected from the Biden administration? Absolutely. From day one of his campaign, Biden had promised a path to citizenship for, quote unquote, dreamers, people who came here at a young age. Um, this was actually a lot more expansive legislation than people had considered. It would radically alter how we deal with immigration in the United States. That being said, it's going to change quite, quite a bit before uh, it, it even faces the possibility of passing. I've been speaking with KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler. And Max, thank you. Thank you. We know that wealthier and whiter parts of San Diego County have fared far better during the pandemic than poorer areas. Now, KPBS investigative reporter Claire Tregesser tells us residents in high-income zip codes have so far been much more likely to be vaccinated against COVID-19. No. Maria Achod Gonzalez is a 74-year-old housekeeper in El Cajon. 
She says she wants a COVID-19 vaccine, but doesn't know how to get one. The doctor wanted us to go today, but since I had this appointment, I said that we call him back. I don't know who called us. Access issues like hers are playing out across the county. Lower-income areas with high COVID-19 case rates, such as Logan Heights, El Cajon, and Chula Vista, have low vaccination rates. Meanwhile, wealthier areas with low case rates have the highest vaccination rates. In places like Coronado, Rancho Santa Fe, Del Mar, and La Jolla, at least one in four residents have received vaccines. This disparity stems from the way the system has been designed, says Rebecca Fielding Miller, an epidemiologist at UC San Diego. For example, vaccine appointments are, for the most part, only offered online. It's hard to access these websites. It really is. Um, you needed access to the internet. Um, you needed to be comfortable if you were at Petco with a form that at least asked you your social security number, even if you could just put in all zeros. Um, and you needed to be pretty quick and anecdotally, and you needed to be pretty tech savvy. After healthcare workers, older people have had access to the vaccine first, and that population is generally whiter and more well off. And so far, vaccines aren't available through the health networks many people of color use, even for those over 65. I can't take time off work to go sit at Petco or my doctor's office or a superstation for hours. I don't have a private car and I'm concerned about taking public transportation. So those those access issues, um, the, the, the perceived benefits of running those risks have to really outweigh what the actual barriers are. Problem is we have too many people who want vaccines. Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez says it's crucial that racial and economic divides be addressed before vaccinations are opened up to more age groups and professions. If we move on too quickly, um, those, those folks are going to continue to stay unvaccinated. Those barriers don't go away by opening it up to teachers and, and police officers. Vaccination sites are now open across the county, and many have hundreds of appointment openings every day. But that doesn't mean people in South Bay or East County have ready access to a vaccine, Gonzalez says. What happened is when they went online, um, individuals with more resources and capabilities took those vaccine appointments. So we had a ton of people coming from, you know, North County down to Chula Vista, San Ysidro. Organizations such as the Chicano Federation are now working with the county to help people schedule and get transportation to vaccine appointments. Nancy Maldonado is the Chicano Federation's CEO. We have dedicated staff that is uh, helping people on the phone and in person to schedule those vaccine appointments all day, Monday through Friday, also to ensure that they have transportation, and if they don't, to help them find transportation, making sure that they have childcare. They are also employing community health ambassadors known as promotoras. They station themselves outside grocery stores and other community locations where they talk to people about their concerns and help them get vaccine appointments. We are seeing a very small increase in the number of Latino people in the county who are getting vaccinated. It, it's increasing slowly, but we are starting to see some movement. So hopeful that once this, all of these efforts get underway, that we'll start to really see that, that percentage increase. Claire Tregesser, KPBS News. For a searchable map of vaccination rates by zip code, go to kpbs.org slash vaccines.
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Cavanaugh. This weekend, our event picks from the art world are all about reframing, seeing the world in a different light. KPBS arts editor and producer Julia Dixon Evans is here to guide us to a few contemporary music ensemble performances and visual art exhibitions that shake up expectations. And she joins us now. Welcome, Julia. Hi, Maureen. Thanks for having me. Now, first up, what's new with the San Diego Museum of Art's virtual SDMA Plus concerts? Yeah, these are collaborations with performing arts groups across town, like the ballet, the Shakespeare Society, and music ensembles to host performances in front of and inspired by specific works in the museum. They've kept this up as free online video projects throughout the last year, and this time they've paired up with the chamber group Art of Elan. And then what can we expect in tonight's program? Yeah, for tonight, they centered the show around the idea of abstraction and allegory in art from the museum's Garner collection. And they worked with Mexico-based composer Andrea Isabel Gonzalez to write a new solo-based clarinet work and video inspired by Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky poem. It's from the Alice in Wonderland books, and it mostly uses nonsense words for all the nouns, but we still understand it. Our brains still somehow figure out who the monster is. And I spoke to the composer, Gonzalez, about Lewis Carroll, too. I I love Lewis Carroll. Then uh, a couple of years ago, I read the book, Alice Through the Glass. Uh, It was something shocking to to see that nonsense poem. I didn't think before to make something with that, something musical, but this was a great opportunity. In addition to Gonzalez's work's world premiere, they're also performing another work by contemporary South Korean composer, Unsuk Chin, also for bass clarinet, all performed by Joshua Rubin. Unsuk Chin's piece is based on the scene where Alice talks to the caterpillar. These programs are relatively short concerts, and this one should be really fun, the way they're pairing up music, art, and fantastical classic literature like this. SDMA Plus Art of Elan's Abstractions and Allegory premieres on the museum's YouTube channel tonight at 7. Next up, the visual art world. There's a new exhibition on the walls at Hill Street Country Club in Oceanside. And Julia, how can we see it? Yeah, this is Exodus from Iniquity. It's a new exhibition of photography and collage work by artist Tiara Williams. I love that Hill Street Country Club always introduces me to new artists and really meaningful work. They're big on giving emerging artists solo show space to really flourish and show off a larger breadth of work. Tiara Williams has taken familiar scenes and placed black bodies there, ranging from romantic embraces to the sublime Renaissance style and some that evoke religious iconography. Her work puts the body forward, stretch marks and all. It's thought-provoking and inventive and also just really beautiful. Williams herself will talk about these ideas and the work at the virtual opening reception on Saturday, but you can also make an appointment to view the works in person. Tierra Williams' Exodus from Iniquity opens tomorrow at Hill Street Country Club with a virtual discussion at 5 p.m. 
And in some outdoor visual art, what's on at the Japanese Friendship Garden this weekend? Yeah, so Christy Lin was part of the Aja Project's Civil Liberties Fellowship that studied the Japanese-American incarceration during World War II and the, the ways that we can understand this now against other histories. Lin's work is installed outside at the Japanese Friendship Garden. She uses food-dyed fabrics, her clothes actually, and wire in these woven patterns. She was inspired by a concept in landscape design known as borrowed scenery that's really important in both Chinese design and Japanese design. And it frames items in the faraway landscape from further away with design elements inside the garden to kind of claim them or, or borrow them. And Lynn's doing an artist talk Saturday at four on Facebook or Instagram Live as well. You can visit the Japanese Friendship Gardens Outdoor Exhibition by Christy Lynn through Sunday, February 28th. And finally, you have a more off-the-beaten-path recommendation in the music world. The group Redfish, Bluefish premieres a new video tonight. Yeah, so this is an experimental percussion ensemble based out of the UC San Diego Music Department, founded by the great Stephen Schick more than 25 years ago. They're performing a pretty impressive work for percussion. It's like nine movements long by the contemporary Alaska-based composer, John Luther Adams. His writing's often about nature. This one's no exception. It's called Strange and Sacred Noise, and it's performed with marimba, vibraphone, toms, snare, and more. I thought a lot about the weather when I first heard it. And here's a sample. That's Redfish Bluefish performing the 1997 composition Strange and Sacred Noise by John Luther Adams. You can tune in tonight at 5 or find it archived online afterwards. And for more arts events, visit the KPBS Arts Calendar or sign up for the weekly KPBS Arts Newsletter at kpbs.org arts. I've been speaking with KPBS Arts Editor Julia Dixon-Evans. Julia, thank you. Thanks, Maureen. Have a good weekend. I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad. 
including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.